And there's still time. Some boy too lava lava, too lava lava, too lava lava. Some boy too lava lava, too lava lava, too lava lava. Some boy too lava lava, too lava lava, too lava lava. So we not just them. There's a mythology behind everything I do, and there's a reason why I do everything. And the strong will come through, and the, and the weak will probably drop out. Now it's an indirect free kick to the boys. They keep us self-destructive because of the noise. The energy smashes the tune through the right-hand side, back of the net, and onto the rest of us fly. Yeah, yeah, it's not over yet, but we're feeling alright. Yeah, yeah, it's not over yet, but we're feeling alright. Yeah, yeah. Well, hello again, and welcome to episode 42 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And it's been a busy couple of days since we, we brought you the last podcast at the weekend. This is the time of the season where there's a lot happening. A lot of players moving around, lots of deals getting made, players coming in, players leaving. And the Whitecaps look like they're they're going to be really, really busy and... It started already. Big news of the week. Matthias Laba has come to Vancouver and not on loan. We've actually traded for him. He He's now our property, Steve. Yeah, the, that changed uh, quite a bit over the, the last few days. At first, it was reported that he was going to be coming on loan. Then it changed again to being a loan with a, an option to be purchased. Then it's a full-out trade, so... Um, it's hard to figure out uh, how this all worked out, and it, it kind of seemed like it changed over the the last few hours before the thing got finalized. Yeah, it's hard to know for certain because, like all all the the word coming out from both Toronto end and also at the Vancouver end was that it was going to be a loan deal. Now, I don't like loan deals, and it, it's something I was going on about on on Twitter, and I wrote a little bit about it. No matter who my club is, whether it's like East Fife in, in Scotland, whether it's the Whitecaps in MLS, I've never been a fan of loan deals and I'm never going to be a fan of loan deals. It, to me, you're just better having the player and then it, it cuts out all the all the other parts of that. There is the plus point, I guess, with a loan deal that if you're not sure about the player, it does give you the chance to look at them kind of risk-free. But with a player like Laba, who's already a designated player in the league, You've had a chance to see him play in the league. You've had a chance to see him play 16 games in Toronto. So no risk there. So I think it's a really, really good bit of business by the Whitecaps getting him in as a signed player. Although today, an article came out in Toronto from Kurt Larson at the Toronto Sun speaking to TFC GM Bed Bath & Beyond, as I always want to call him, but like uh, Tim Bezpachenko. And... The spin that they're putting over in Toronto is it's not quite the same. Toronto seem to be wanting to make Vancouver jump through a few hoops if we are to, to get him permanently. It seems like it's a response to the Vancouver article that Martin McMahon wrote on Gold Canada that said that the Whitecaps essentially got him for nothing. 
th- that's what the story was last day from Vancouver. And then all of a sudden the, the Toronto FC has also put out an article there. So they obviously want to appease those fans that are complaining about why uh, Laba was given away, essentially. I, I agree with you about the loan part. I wasn't a big fan of TFC loaning Laba to Vancouver and Vancouver having no chance to keeping him because my, my issue was why was Vancouver help Toronto with their roster compliance issue and then why would they help them develop a player that when you're you're sitting two players of your own on the bench? Oh, totally. And it, it's like the thing as well, when we first got wind that the deal was taking place, I always hoped and expected that the Whitecaps would have a guaranteed buy contract or buy clause at the, at the end of the contract. Because I thought for all the, the fault that you can lay at the front office for the way that they've handled different contracts you know for a fact they're savvy enough to make sure that they're not going to take a player that's maybe going to perform and be one of the star performers for the team this year and not have a chance to get him at the end. So I thought there was always a chance that we would have that option. TFC, though, have have made a, a big deal the whole time of saying that they didn't want to give him up. I mean, even today in this article from Bezpachenko, he's saying that they, they looked at all the possible ways that they could kind of play about with the contract to make him a non-designated player. And that's the the advantage that they have of having people like him in in the club that know the MLS roster rules inside and out. But if he couldn't get away to do that, then no one was going to. So it's it's a good bit, bit of business. We still don't know what these future considerations are going to be. I would think at some point something's going to come out. You have to, to speculate a little bit. Is it going to be like a first-round draft pick? Is it going to be some big money? It doesn't look like it's going to be any players going the other way at any rate. Because what uh, Bezpachenko was saying is whatever they do get, it's going to be invested into the team and it's going to set them up nicely for, for years to come. So it does sound like if they want him, they're going to have to pay a bit of money for him. Uh, well, it could be, uh, and we talked about this before we went on air, that it could be something like if the if he's sold off in the future, that the the part of those proceeds from that sale go back to TFC. And that way, that that's maybe what he's talking about, that... Uh, the money will go back to the TFC and they'll be able to reinvest that money into something. And maybe if he doesn't get sold, maybe the Whitecaps have to send some allocation money that way in, in, in order to you know, placate the the eventual sale. But I think TFC essentially thinking a big sale would be something that they don't want to lose out on. Very possibly. And there's, there's also the chance it could be tied in with appearances if he then goes on to become a full international, all that kind of stuff. Which in, in most other leagues that I'm familiar with around the world, all that stuff's known that that's what the contract is and that's what's going to happen down the line. And I know certainly in Scotland and England, if that is a, a deal when a player moves on, fans are let know that if that is the terms, that they play a certain number of appearances, they have to give more money if they're sold on or internationally, whatever. So, But let's move away from the contract situation just now because we obviously don't know all the ins and outs. There's no doubt that the addition of Laba is a big upgrade for the team, especially over June Marcus Davidson last year. Because not only are we getting a a more talented player, a younger player, we're getting a box-to-box guy that is aggressive going forward and likes to go forward. Yeah, there was an article that uh, uh, off the Whitecaps website, uh, Farhan Devji wrote it. It talked about some of the things that Blaba has, and he, and he, he used OptiJack to get these stats. Some of the things was the number of tackles, average number of tackles per game that Blaba won, uh, which was uh, the highest among people that made at least 15 appearances, 
average number of interceptions. That was very high as well. And his passing, uh, successful passes made per game were was one of the best too. And uh, he noted that in there, about 55% of those passes were actually in the attacking opponent's half, the attacking zone. So that's a good sign um, that, you, like you said, it, this is not going to be a June Marcus Davidson type of player. This is an attacking player from uh, deep in the midfield. That's our thoughts on Laba. Now, Carl Robinson spoke a little bit about it in the press conference after the San Jose game on Wednesday night. Here's a little bit of what he had to say. He's a, a tough, tackling, hard-nosed central midfield player. Uh, does a lot of his work um, in areas just in front of the back four. Uh, he's, a, he's a link between the midfield, obviously the back four and the, the, the forward players in that midfield area. And he's different to what we've got. And I think you know, bringing in a player of his quality in a trade is fantastic for the club moving forward. And it, it adds to our already talented pool of youngsters. To get him outright too, as, as as your player, that has to be a bit of a coup as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Obviously, I want good players in this team and in this squad moving forward, and he certainly fits into that category. We look forward to having him. I've spoke to him, and he's excited to come, and we can't wait to get him integrated into the group. How, how do you think this is going to affect the current makeup of the team? Uh, we all already know about Tybert uh, being one of the more impressive players. You've already, in your article on Soccer League, said that uh, it's his most Laba will probably line up with uh, Rio Coker. Where does Tybert fit in? How does it affect him? How does it affect another player who's been impressive, Alderson? And then you got Kofi as well. It's definitely a, a logjam in, in that midfield, and it's going to be a big battle. And as Carol Robinson said, the strong will come through and, and the weak will drop off and they'll leave the team. And th- this is a time for players to really rise to the occasion. And not just in the DM role, but the whole of the midfield. We still don't know 100% how Carol Robinson is, is going to lay his team out. We still think it's going to be 4-2-3-1. Mark Weber had written an article earlier in the week where he was expecting a, a 4-4-2 diamond. I think we'll see that in some games, depending on maybe weaker opposition or if we've got specific matchups that he wants to counter, I still think we're looking at 4-2-3-1. I think we're looking at Laba back there with Rio Coker. But as you say, the big question's about Tybert, who has really impressed. What Tybert has going for him is his versatility. He can play all over the midfield. He can play in the wing. He can play in the centre. And I think we're probably going to see him moving a little bit in front of those two and doing a lot of the hard work in the middle. He really impressed in the Portmore game, put a lot of work in, but Tybert did well. And Alderson has done well in pre-season. I didn't think he rose to the occasion against San Jose on Wednesday night. I thought he really struggled in the first half, played a little bit better in the second half, as did Kofi. And for me, Kofi is the man to miss out just now. I've said this before, and when I raised it last year, it was kind of poo-pooed a little bit that it was never going to happen. But I think Kofi is definitely a guy that the Whitecaps should look to trade. I, I know he's a fan favourite here. I've never quite seen it myself because his inconsistency for me, just I can't see beyond that. And he's very close to his ceiling. He has to be at the level now where this season is kind of make or break for him. And it's like Carl Robinson said that in his post-match comments as well. This is a season where Gershon Coffey needs to go forward and either become, establish himself one of the best midfielders in MLS, 
or just be in with the rank and file, just the run of the mill guys that's going to come off the bench, midfielders that are 10 a penny in MLS and also a lot cheaper. No, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I kind of, I was one of the guys that poo pooed you on that at the, at the end of the season last year. I thought he was just struggling in a, a Rennie system. Uh, this year, obviously, he struggled with a little bit of injury uh, early on. Uh, but in the Wednesday game, he wasn't very impressive. Of course, he was playing in the two-man uh, holding midfielder role. He obviously does succeed better in the one-man. But if there is only one midfielder uh, holding in a in a four-diamond uh, formation, uh, you got to expect that Laba would be the one that would be playing that that spot. Yeah, I mean, I expect Laba to, if he's fit to go, to play pretty much every game this season. And it could eat into the minutes that someone like Alderson gets. Matt Watson as well, for all his versatility, and he yes, he does come cheap. Do, does he have a role in the squad anymore? I think it's more of a depth role right now. It's somebody that can play minutes coming off the bench without having to play too much game time. He's got the experience that he's played in a lot of games. He's not like a young player who needs to play games in order to know what to expect when he goes into into the lineup. So I still say he's got a role. It's obviously going to be a diminished role now, especially if we have that uh, number 10 coming in as well. I mean, that is the thing with Watson. He he cannot play for, for weeks at a time and he's a guy that you know can bring in and he'll do a job. So, I mean, that's good. He has that going in his favour as the, the cheapness, as we say, of his contract, he has that going in his favour as well. But if he maybe goes weeks at a time without playing, it could eat into his sharpness a little bit. So it's a little bit of a gamble. Now, you mentioned the young players there. The last thing we'll kind of talk about the midfield and, and, and the Laba situation for now is... What is his addition and the incoming number 10 and the signing of the two Uruguayans, Fernandez and Mesquita? What is this going to mean to the young guys? Marco Bustos, who did great against San Jose on Wednesday, Kian's Froze, and of course, Ben Fisk. Yeah, I, could, I, I think this, this hurts them a little bit in their chances. I don't know. There still obviously could be some trades coming up to the beginning of the season. They're not really, I guess, in a rush either because... You know, you have Bustos and Froes can play in the residency still till the end of the season. And actually, I believe both of them can play even next year in residency. So they still have time. You have also Ben Fisk. That This could, it's not really Ben Fisk's position because he doesn't play a central midfield. He plays more of a wing. Roster-wise, is there uh, o- more openings for him? Because if, if these guys take up more of the central midfielders, guys like Mosquito, who was supposed to play central midfield could easily move out to a wide position and that that's what would take Ben if his spot. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be hard for Ben at the moment. As much as we're fans of him, I just don't think he has shown enough in camp this year to get that contract with the other guys that, that's round about. Now, the strange thing as well is like even just a couple of weeks ago, everyone's talking about, oh, this is going to be a season of development. It's going to be a, a bunch of young players that's in the squad and it's focus on youth, bringing all the residency guys in. Now we're looking at a situation where you could have a starting 11 with possibly no Canadians or maybe with, with Tybert being the lone Canadian, and there might not really be that many residency guys that's actually earning homegrown contracts. You're going to have Sam could be that's already got it. Marco Carducci, he's like dead set to, to now get this this third goalkeeper position. But we could actually, from all the talk of bringing these guys on, not actually bring any of them on just now, maybe wait to the summer. Although Marco Bustos, with his performance when he came on the second half against San Jose, I think he's done enough to earn it, and I think he will get one of the spots. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think Marco Carducci is definitely going to get one of them. Um, and I think uh, I think the other guys, like I said, once they kind of work their roster around, and I think there's still going to be like like we said some like I said before, there's going to be some trades. So I expect there's be some openings by the summertime where they could bring in additional players because not everybody on us under contract with uh, the Whitecaps is a, a player that Robinson will want. Uh, long term even though he's not saying it he, there's going to be some guys that are going to be falling off definitely going to be an interesting couple of days coming up for the midfielders and a few of the other guys in the squad you've also got on saturday roster compliance day i kept referring to it as roster freeze day it's just i think my my brain was in a freeze it's roster compliance day so that doesn't mean that we can't add some some more players after that including our our number 10 that we're looking to add but it's definitely going to be interesting as to see what happens with a a few of these young guys, and also just the midfielders in general. That's definitely something for us to keep an eye on. So since we last did a podcast, the Whitecaps have played two more pre-season games. They're down in Portland at the moment at the Rose City Invitational. We were both at the game on Sunday against Portmore United. Couldn't make the game on Wednesday against San Jose. I'm heading back down for the weekend to take in the last game against the Timbers. Two wins so far, topping the table with six points, and... Looks like we could be, be winning another pre-season tournament to go along with our Mickey Mouse Cup that we won two years ago. So obviously we seem to be doing really well in these big tournaments. But more importantly, Steve, what did you think of the two games that, that we've seen? Two very different sides in the matches. Yeah, uh, well, let's look at the Portmore one first. It was a, uh, That's essentially what uh, everybody's expecting the starting lineup to be. Save obviously a couple. Now Laba obviously comes into the play. Uh, but that first performance I thought was... The first half was a little to be desired for. They had a lot of chances. They couldn't bury them. But that second half, they really kicked it in. I thought a guy like Tybert, I thought, really worked hard and was all over the pitch. Uh, He was a little to blame for the first goal, but um, I thought he played really well. He he, he set up Maddox for uh, the goal that uh, put them up 3-1 with a great interception. Um, uh, Another guy like Maddox, I thought he did all right too. He missed some easy chances. In, in the first half, then he finally scored, and then he started setting up people too. So that was good to see him uh, do that. What did you think about Maddox and his Tybert there? Now I know I've been quite hard on on Maddox for the last year or so, but first half I would have been hard on him again. But no, he he knuckled down, and I think that's the thing. He he is showing a better attitude both on and off the park, and I thought he did really well. Had a really good second half. Missed, as you say, some chances in the first half. Manny missed like a heap of chances in in, in the second. I mean, this some of the guys said after was Jordan Harvey said that it was seven or, or eight goals they could have had. Kyle Robinson said as well that there was a hatful of chances and and easily you you could have put away ten. Obviously, Portmore had gone down a man. We don't know what the game would have been like if they'd been playing eleven v eleven. We do know that they drew with Portland on the Wednesday night, so. Who knows exactly how strong they were. The keeper that came on, I thought, had a, had a good game. Had a few big saves. I liked that we were creating the chances. I can live that we weren't burying them in that game against Portmore. Just especially because we didn't have Kenny Miller playing up front in the first half. Maddox, I don't know if he is going to be starting as a striker. But I, I, I liked that we were creating the chances. I think that was the main thing. Um, Tybert looked good. Real Coker. Thought he had a not bad second half. He looked a little bit gassed in the first half. He he just doesn't seem to be his, his self of last year yet. 
Yeah, uh, he was struggling um, definitely in the first half, trying to figure out where you know what to do. Uh, it it seemed very weird because he usually took the he usually takes the game by the scruff of the neck and and, and kind of deals with. It. But it seemed like he was uh, he was he was giving it, kind of letting other people take control of the game. And then the second half, he started doing a little bit more of that. Um, I, I also noticed that, and we talked to Jordan Harvey about this at the at, at the, in the post game. When the guy, when the goalie was sent off and they were reduced to ten men, it seemed like the the fullbacks had more options to go forward and attack more because obviously there was one less attacker because they had to sub off the attacker for the goalkeeper, and that was seemed interesting. He scored two goals as well. One of them obviously was a, a seemed like a cross. It wasn't really a goal, but it was good. Even Bedishore though, Bedishore really went forward and delivered some solid crosses into the box. Um, one that eventually led to the Mosquito goal. Yeah, I thought Harvey did really well and Betashur as well. It was nice to see both the fullbacks getting forward. Betashur looked really good. And the little bit that he's played in, in pre-season so far and what he's kind of shown and just some kind of scrimmages, we haven't seen him getting forward tons, but he certainly did it there. Looks a really, really good addition. Harvey, I thought, had a really good game. And as you say, he got the two goals. We actually did the kind of scrum. It was mainly just yourself and myself that, that spoke to him after the game. Now, some people already have seen this on the Whitecaps website, but it was a really enjoyable interview, so I kind of just want to put a little bit of it in, into the podcast here because he's always a fun guy to speak to, and he's a really great personality to have in that locker room, and I think that's a big asset for the Whitecaps. So here's a little bit of Jordan Harvey post-Portmore. You've continued your hot gold scoring streak from last year. Is that something we expect more of? You know, we were up a man, so it allowed uh, Beta and I to get forward quite a bit more, and it's just about timing in the box and uh, guys putting the ball in the box, and so um, it worked out tonight. And uh, the second one, you know, I was a little opportunistic, just putting it in there, and I was fortunate uh, that it went in. Should people be getting Jordan Harvey goal machine tattoos? or? <laughs> No, I don't think I'm Kenny Miller just yet. Um, still, uh, still need a lot more goals before people start doing that stuff. But it was, uh, it was a good run. It was fun to be out there again. Uh, it was, it was uh, definitely like a, a regular season atmosphere. It felt good. How much is the improvement of the chemistry between the, with the Uruguayans now coming in with you guys playing wide, a lot of wide games? How's that improved? You know, uh, it's it's still uh, a work in progress. Um, that was my first time playing with him in uh, Eleven Aside. And uh, I thought it went really well. I think we have a good understanding, and they obviously have a good understanding between one another. They work well together, and uh, it bodes well for the future. I think the chemistry is building, and that's, that's what you wanted to do at this point. You know, It's not quite there yet, um, but we still have a few more games to go. A very experienced back four out there. The depth players, that's a lot younger. What are you guys kind of sharing experience-wise and knowledge-wise to help these guys ready to come in if there's any injuries? You know, it's just about training every day and uh, kind of mentoring. Um, you said it, our back four has a lot of experience and we need to um, help the young guys because, you know, realistically, not all four of us are going to be able to go throughout the whole season. So we need them to help us throughout the whole season. And, and uh, they're more than capable, I think, of stepping in if somebody does drop out. And it's just about uh, getting them prepared if somebody does. And I think, and I think with these games, with these preseasons, with training overall, um, it's, it's going well. 
And are we going to hear you sing the national anthem at first kick? Listen, I don't know where that came from because I said I do it this game. I said the first game of Portland, and then they go ahead and tweet that it's the March 8th. I did it today. I don't know if anybody saw that, but I did it today. I sang loud. I sang l- louder than Russell, I think, today. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, that bet is fulfilled. Can you, can you sing a little bit for us now? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was jordan harvey talking about uh, a couple things the gold machine tattoo that you were talking about uh for kenny miller uh it seemed to really loosen him up uh but uh we should talk about one of their one of the guys that made his debut with the senior side in the preseason and that's marco carducci i thought he he wasn't really overly busy but i thought he came up with some good he wasn't scared to go into those danger areas and pick off those crosses and clear the balls out of the box. I thought he played decently for for a first start and getting egged on uh, by the Timbers Army as well. Yeah, it was great to see him start. And obviously, Eistead was meant to start and, and Marco wasn't going to see the full 90 minutes, but it was great to have him out there. I do think he could possibly have done a little bit better with the goal, but then there was a lot of... A lot of kind of defensive mix-ups with that. He maybe wasn't even expecting the ball to come through to the guy. But I, I do think he could maybe have just done a little bit better with it. But it, it was a good baptism of fire. Maybe not of fire because he didn't actually register a save and he didn't have a lot to do. But just being out there, it kind of shows that he belongs and he, he is part of the squad now. Marco Bustos, uh, another Red Sea kid, he, he came on in the second half. And essentially the first half was, a you know, a lot of people, a lot to desire for. Uh, San Jose was really putting a lot of pressure on the ball and not allowing the white, white caps to really get forward. And the white caps weren't really doing much to get forward either. But when Marco Bustos came on in the second, it seemed like it opened it up and he, he seemed to connect really well with the attackers. And especially when the last 20 minutes, when uh, guys like Darren Maddox, Kakuta Mane, Eric Hurtado came in, it, it kind of him and Alderson played, started playing better. It started connecting better, and and, he, and the team actually scored a second goal. They won two nothing over San Jose to get their second win of the preseason tournament. Yeah, Marco did really well when he came on, and I mean we we talked a lot about this kind of just between ourselves that some guys start training camp flying. They just start really fast, and then they start to dip off a little bit. You're kind of seeing that a little bit with Omar Salgado. And Marco as well, I mean, he came out all guns blazing, got all the plaudits, everyone was hyping him up. Then kind of took a little bit of a dip, but I think he showed in that game against San Jose, he really deserves to to be playing against these kind of players. Obviously, it wasn't a full-strength San Jose team he was playing against, but these are like depth players that he was playing against, which he would be himself if he gets his MLS contract. So I think... That performance that he showed has probably earned him a contract for this year, as we kind of said a little bit earlier in the show. He looked really good, sprayed the ball about, linked up well with Sam, linked up well with a couple of the other guys, and it was a good performance. Bryce, you mentioned there, I thought he had a really poor first half. I mean, we've said what a good preseason he's had. First half, he had a few giveaways, as did Gershon Kofi. Second half, they kind of came on to it a bit. We again mentioned that earlier, but... Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell with Bryce. He got the assist because he was bowled over for the penalty. He did well. Another guy that I want to talk about, though, that did excellent, I thought, was Sam Adekugbe on the on the wing. Moving up from left-back to left-winger. And Christian Dean, who then went in at left-back, he had a great game as well. Taking out Lenhard, obviously now endearing himself to, 
to every fan in MLS right from the start. Yeah, I thought most of the attack for the Whitecaps happened down that left side. Um, Christian Dean, Sam Adekube, um even uh, the Miller or Bustos, whenever they would slide over, it seemed like most of it was coming from that side and very little coming from the right-hand side. There was one particular play I wanted to mention about Adekube, but his football intelligence, he laid the ball off to Dean on the sideline, curled around the defender, and then moved, made another play into the box. And Dean was able to find him. And uh, he, he could have done maybe a little bit better with the final ball, but just the intelligence to do that and, and not just stand around and actually make a move and give Dean an option, I thought it was a fantastic play. Yeah, that I, that I can actually picture that move just now because I remembered it at the time and I thought that's that's a nice little bit of interchange and just movement off the ball. I mean, they, they did really well. And as you say, most stuff came up the left wing. On the right, Ethan Sampson obviously got the start, played the full game. Still not sold on him. And I know you tweeted that out as well last night. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is about him. I, I, I've said it before. I I see him as a, a center back or a, a defensive midfielder playing right back. He, there are times, there are times when he does have a good attack and... He knows he moves the ball well, but the majority of the time he doesn't. And also when he's defending against, and he wasn't, he was defending against a, a Sam Garza, who's not one of the top, you know, players in MLS. Not, top, uh, but when he goes up against these top wingers that MLS has, like uh, uh, speedy guys on the wide, I think he's going to get beaten quite a lot. And I don't think he's going to be able to handle that. Definitely don't think he's MLS ready. And I, I put this out on Twitter last night as well. Is there a case to make that the Whitecaps take a gamble and don't go for a backup right back in the squad? Now, obviously, it's a big gamble. Betasure is going to be away for possibly six weeks for for World Cup with Iran. Rio Coker can play it right back, and it's not ideal because he didn't look very good there. But I still think a bad Rio Coker is better than Samson there. I just I would feel more comfortable with that. It could be a possibility. They also do have a big issue with international spots right now, especially if they do have that number 10 coming and we're assuming he's not a Canadian or American. Uh, so they're, they're at, as of right now, if they do sign Samson, that number 10 comes in, they're essentially right now they would have 15 internationals under contract and they only have 11 spots. Now you're going to assume Abdullah is going to get loaned out or waived um, another player could be uh, Mavado Diolf. He, he hasn't really, he didn't play in the tournament. He didn't even travel down to Portland. He could be also loaned out. Maddox, uh, there are uh, rumblings that Maddox might be getting his green card. Don't know how, if that's going to be in time for March 1st. Um, and then also finally, uh, there the other player, if Samson does get signed, that means they might have to send Andre Luz back to the Cosmos, which would be an amazing story considering how much they had to deal with in order to bring him here. So uh, it, it could be that they don't sign Samson right away until they figure out all the international spots and how to work him out. Yeah, the Lewis one's an interesting one because he didn't actually come on the pitch last night. I mean, could we even see somebody like Sam Adekukbe try out in the right-back role? Because the assist that he got for Kenny Miller in the goal last night was him streaking up that right wing. Because they switched Adek Pube and uh, Watson because uh, they were both the wide players in there. And they switched them out and Watson took the left-hand side and uh, and Adek Pube to the right. So yeah, you do have a point that he does, you know, he, he made the assist on the right-hand side. 
there is, I don't know how, how much of a possibility is. I think the biggest thing would be in, in switching from right to left side is the defending part. And that could be an issue because a lot of people say it's hard because you have to turn and everything like that to face the player, uh, the opposition player. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not a coach, so I don't know how much of a big factor that would be. There's other players that you could possibly look at as well. And it's not an ideal scenario. I would much rather have a right back as a backup, a proper right back than, than anyone else. I don't think Samson's a guy. From chatting to some people that saw this the stuff down in Arizona, they said Samson was so much better than Cyrus. So that there wasn't even anything close there. Some of the reports over in Africa said that Kwambe was offered a contract by the Whitecaps, but it didn't meet his expectations, so he actually turned that down. Never had any confirmation of that, so we don't know. So it could be that Samson is kind of the default right back. I just don't think it's ideal. Another player that who made his debut as a white cap was the goalkeeper, Paulo Tarnagi. Um, I thought he came up with some big saves. Uh, he really used every inch of a 6-4 frame in order to stop a couple of those uh, balls. And I thought, he, I thought he controlled the box well, especially when Lenhard and Wondolowski were in there. He was, he was moving about and catching the balls and not allowing them to get too much on, uh, attack on the, on, in the box. Yeah, I thought he looked good, and I think he really is going to challenge Eusted this year for the starting spot. I mean, Eusted, I, I, I don't mind him. I like some stuff that I've seen. I'm, again, I'm not totally sold that he is a keeper that should be starting every single game for the Whitecaps. Tornagi is going to push him. I watched a lot of him, actually, like when we were at training after the residency game on Saturday. I watched Tornagi in the scrimmages, and he pulled off some fantastic saves. And he looked, he looked assured last night. He's a confident guy. I think he'll challenge Eusted. The the defence was a little bit all over the place when San Jose upped it a little bit when they brought on more, more of their first team. And that's to be expected because it wasn't a totally comfortable back line. Leveron, I thought, had a mixed game. Had a couple of good things at the back. A couple of giveaways going forward. Mitchell was very quiet. And it's like this... Who's three? Who's four? Who's five? In the picking order for, for centre-backs... This could change a lot over the the next couple of weeks and months, and it's going to be interesting to see who gets that nod as number three now. If Demerit or if and when Demerit or O'Brien actually get an injury. Yeah, well, I think personally, personally for me, I think Dean gets a, a good shot at it now, especially with him taking out Lenhart. I think everybody kind of across MLS cheered for that one. Yeah, I I I have Dean still at three, and I've probably moved Lever on up to four now. I had Carlisle higher, but I don't know. I come and go a little bit on Carlisle. But enough about those games. Just very quickly, we'll talk about the game that's coming up on Saturday. Final game of the tournament, Cascadia Cup rivalry against Portland. No game against a Cascadian rival can ever be classed as a friendly. The Whitecaps, Carl Robinson has said he wants to play as close to his starting lineup as he possibly can. Some things are kind of out with his control in that Matix is going to be away and Betashur is away. So there's going to be a couple of changes there. So it's going to be interesting to see who starts at right back, whether they give Samson another look. And if Portland play their their strong team against the Whitecaps and you've got Samson back there, that was going to be a really good test for him. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very close to what we have on Sunday, the game against Portmore. Um, I think I think Lava probably comes in for uh, possibly Maddox and they start Hurtado up top or something like that. Or maybe even Miller starts the game and Hurtado goes to the bench. Maybe that's why Hurtado was uh, came on in the last 20 minutes yesterday because 
of the fact that they knew Hurtado would, wouldn't be starting against uh, Portland. And they, and that's why Miller came off at the 45-minute mark because they wanted to start and maybe get 60 minutes out of him in that game. So I, I do agree with you. I think there's going to be some interesting uh, lineup decisions for Portland. Obviously, you said earlier that the they have a chance to clinch the... the I, I, is there a trophy for Portland or is there just the... Uh, they gave out roses or something like that. I've no idea, to be honest. I'm hoping there's a trophy because I, I saw us lift the, the Mickey Mouse Cup and I'd like to see us lift another trophy. And remember, every time they've won a preseason friendly, the Whitecaps have made the playoffs. So maybe that's one for one, maybe make it two for two. Yeah, let's let's definitely hope so with that. So uh, you're going to be heading down to Portland uh, and, and watch the game. Uh, just I want to give a quick shout out to... The residency is also playing. I'll be at those games and hopefully make it time to watch the stream for the Whitecaps game. Um, they play Real SoCal and Arsenal FC, both uh, LA-based teams. Real SoCal is the tougher t- of the two t- games. Expect to see Bustos probably, co- I think he's coming back on Friday to play in those games. So we'll see exactly where he's, uh, you know, how much the confidence, if it's ill confidence or cockiness that he displays against the residency suite side. Both games are right now still scheduled for SFU, but make sure you check if you are coming out, make sure you check before you come out because they could change easily and to UBC, to South Surrey, they could possibly even go to Bellingham, you never know. Now, one thing we talked about that we were going to do in the podcast every week off the preseason, which I then immediately forgot about, was we were going to talk about who we thought our start in 11 was going to be on a kind of week-by-week basis and kind of see how it changed. So now we've got one more pre-season game to come on Saturday against Portland Timbers down at the Rose City Invitational. Could still be some movement, could still be some additions. But right now, Steve, who do you have as your start in 11? Essentially, the back line and the goalkeepers I have set, I don't think that's going to change at all. I think Ousted is the goalkeeper, unless this injury uh, is more of an issue than it is. Uh, I got Bereshore at right back, the Merritt O'Brien starting center backs, and then Harvey as a left back. Uh, the two holders, I'm going to say based on hype, I'm going to and everybody's what everybody's saying. I'll put Laba as the one of the holding midfielders alongside Rio Coker. Up top, I got the two Uruguayans, uh, Sebastian Fernandez and Nico Mesquita, and then Russell Tybert, I think, who actually played really well when he moved up from the holding midfielder spot to the right back. He actually intercepted and set up Maddox for his goal. Uh, I think he plays one of the wing spots. And then I think, I know Maddox has had a good preseason, but if Miller is fully fit and ready to go, I think Miller will be the starter. If they feel like Miller's not fit, I think Maddox starts up top. Wow, you've stolen my whole thunder there, man. It's like, that's exactly the 11 I, I I would go for as well. I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense. Obviously, we could still have another attacking midfielder come in. And if that was the case, I don't know. It's like, do you, do you switch the two Uruguayans to, to both wings? Or do you go for a slightly different formation? Tybert could be the one to miss out. That That's going to be the real interesting one. But no, I mean, the, the, the team that you've just told me, to me... That would be my starting eleven right now. Well, I, I think if the ten comes in, then I think I think the guy that comes out probably is uh, Nico uh, Mesquita. I know he's played well, but I think either him or so. I think one of the Uruguayans come out. I think Tybert has earned a spot, and I don't think Robinson will take that away from him. I think personally, based on his work ethic and everything, I think he's been one of the best players in camp. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair to say that. 
Uh, if we want to talk about the 18, I think uh, if that's the starting 11, I think Maddox and Hurtado probably uh, will be two of the guys. Then you got, I think, Alderson and uh, whoever and whoever comes out for the 10. Uh, that'll be the, the other two guys. And the two defenders on the bench, I think, is Dean and it'll probably be either Mitchell or Leveron. Don't forget Manny as well. He'll probably kind of find a place on the bench. He he could be instead of if the number ten doesn't isn't ready to go, then Mane could be one of the guys. I think I, I, the thing is the funny thing is is before we were talking about who's going to be the starting eleven. Now everybody's so clumped together that we don't know who who's going to be coming out. It's going to be very hard for, and it's, I guess it's a good thing for Robinson to have these decisions to make. Yeah, I'm a lot more optimistic about the team now than I was even just like one two weeks ago. And, I mean, we'd had a, a discussion on Twitter. Colin Elms had asked a few of the media guys what he thought the record was going to be. And at that point, like for the first 10 games, at that point, I had us down just as having one win. I'm going to have a think about it. I'm going to revise that and look at the fixtures again. But I'm I'm a lot more hopeful. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, yeah, could be a very interesting season ahead. Now, before we head off, just a, a couple of quick things that we want to mention, talking about media people. Some news came out today. Pete Shad is going to be doing the play-by-play commentary for the Whitecaps games on, on TSN. And that's that's fantastic news. Really pleased for Pete. Like, huge congratulations there for him. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, it's it's somebody who knows the team well enough. And uh, watching his... Uh, uh, I, wa- I didn't obviously watch this, uh, the Sunday game because that was... Uh, I, w- I was there live in Portland. But the game he had on live stream... On Wednesday against San Jose, I thought he did really well. It really translated well onto uh, uh, with a visual um, part of the game and everything like that. So I thought he did really well. It'll be interesting to see who he teams up with. Will it be Jason DeVos or will it be Christian Jack? Or do they bring somebody else? Do they maybe hire Paul Dolan out of Sportsnet and, and have him as the other color person? Or does Davey Norman even show up? Because it could be a simulcast with Team 1410. There's a chance as well that they, they could maybe even mix up the colour guys as well and, and keep it a little bit fresh. Although you, you kind of like to have the same team. And I like the way that him and Davey work. So I would love to see the pair of them stick together. But it's also going to be interesting as well to, to see now who does the play-by-play on team radio. So we'll, we'll watch the space and we'll, we'll see what happens there. One other quick thing just to mention is a new radio show that's starting from somebody else that used to be one of Pete Shad's sidekicks. Tyler Green is kicking off his new show, Soccer Talk, 10 p.m. Saturday night on AM 6.50. Yeah, uh, it was good to see him back on the air as well. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, they obviously He was obviously with Pichad, but he also had his own uh, full-time radio with Mike Marnego. It's good for soccer in, in, in Vancouver. We already lost Whitecaps Daily, so this should kind of fill somewhat of a void. And with him being on Saturday nights, uh, when there is a Saturday game for the Whitecaps, it'll almost be like a post post game show. So it's gonna be a good it's a good thing for the White uh, Whitecaps. It's a good thing for Tyler Green. I, I hope him the best. And uh, obviously, it will be available on podcast too. And he he plans to kind of cover a lot of the local scene as well. So that's going to be good. And of course, everyone, don't worry. We're not going anywhere. You're stuck with us. You've got AFTN podcasts coming, and they're going to be coming thick and fast over the course of this season. So episode forty two comes to an end. Thanks for listening as always. Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online. On Twitter, you can find me at WhitecapsBeat and I'm obviously writing for Canadian Soccer News. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Send us an email to AFTNCanada at hotmail.com 
and find all our stuff on AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, and also you can find my stuff on Soccerly.com. So thanks for listening again as always. We hope to maybe bring you a little bit extra down in Portland over the weekend. Maybe get some interviews from training on Friday, post-game on Saturday. See what we can do. So just keep checking your feed for any updates. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then... There must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.